Optunes, it's so good to see all of you tonight. Uh, tonight we are starting a brand new series called uh, The Simple Gospel. Yes, it follows uh, the song title, Simple Gospel. Uh, but the reason that we are, are studying this entire series is because I want you to have a simplified, better understanding of what it means uh, to know the gospel. And, and what is the gospel? That's the question that we're going to be studying this entire month of May. And so we're really going to be looking at four main cornerstones of our faith. We're going to be looking at creation, then we're going to look at the fall, and then we're going to look at the crucifixion, and then we're going to look at the resurrection, and we're going to look at how these four big main events in Scripture, in the time span of life, have really impacted us as Christians and as believers and how do we see God working through those events? Uh, but really, my goal through all this is to simplify it. Uh, these messages aren't going to be super deep and, and super crazy. They're going to be simple. And they may even be short. Uh, but the idea behind that is that we'll gain a simple understanding. And so that as we have a simple understanding, we can look to people who don't know the Lord and explain these uh, events and these important parts of our faith in ways that they would understand. Because we don't want to go approach someone who doesn't know the Lord and tell them these deep thoughts about creation and uh, etc. We want to be able to simplify it and talk to them really about the heart of what is creation, what is the fall, what happened through the crucifixion and resurrection. And so I really hope that you'll take notes during this series and that you'll you'll learn how to simplify your faith so that you can share it, because that is what we're called to do as Christians. We are called to go and make disciples, and so we need to be able to share our faith. We need to be able to share it in ways that people understand. So again, tonight we're going to be talking all about creation, and we're going to be in the chapters of 1 and 2 in the book of Genesis. And we're going to read all of Genesis 1 and 2. It's not very long, but I think it's important for us to fully gain an understanding of what is taking place in the creation story. And so, if you will, turn in your Bibles with me to the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be reading this together. And as we read through Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, I want us to look at the two ways that I think God presents himself to us. I think there's two main ways that we see God interacting uh, with, with mankind, especially Adam and Eve here. And so as we go through this, we're going to unpack this and we're going to simplify this for you. So here we go, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made the space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. And God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear, and that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. 
And God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the same kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced veg vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water, and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And this is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed him and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life, and that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. And so here in Genesis 1, we get a full account of how God created essentially the entire universe. It's very detailed about how he made the stars, and he made the sun and the moon, and how he made earth. And what we see through all of this is how God is very intentional in the way that he created everything. How he had an order by which he created things. He didn't just start creating things randomly and say, oh, this looks good, that looks good. No, he had a purpose for everything that he created. And the first way that I think we see God here is God simply as what we might expect, God the creator. We see God here as the creator. 
And again, I think it's important that we recognize that everything that we see in this universe, everything that we see on this earth, God created. And for some of us, maybe we need to understand that we are a part of creation. God created mankind along with all other creation. And so that means that, yes, as God created all other parts of creation, God created you. And there is something really spectacular, something really unique about the way that God specifically made humans. If you go back and you look at Genesis 1, 26 through 27, you'll see what I'm talking about. This is the only way that he created uh, man. He created man completely separate. No other creation is made like man. And that's because God created man in his image. God created man in his image. You are made in the image of God. No other creation on this earth is made in the image of God. Nobody except for us as humans. We're the only creation made in the image of God. So what does that mean for us? It means you and I, we were made and created uniquely. We were designed intentionally. And we were designed with a purpose. You know, for some of us, we may struggle to realize that we have a purpose. That we were created for a purpose. But I want you here to think of an artist. I want you to think of an inventor. I want you to think of a creator. Those type of people, people who paint and sculpt, people who make new technology and make new things, they don't just paint or make things randomly just because they feel like it. No, they, they do it to fill a purpose. People create new technology to, to fill a void where something is missing. People create art be, because it, it, it does something. It, it, maybe it provides feelings for people. You know, some people really enjoy looking at art. And, and so people make art for other people's enjoyment. They don't just make it to make it. They make things for a purpose. And God is a creator. God is an inventor. God is an artist. God didn't just make creation because he felt like it. God made creation for a purpose, for a reason. Every part of creation, the sea, the land, the heavens, the earth, the birds, the animals, and yes, you, were designed for a purpose. God made you intentionally. And I know sometimes we feel like we don't have a purpose, and sometimes it's difficult for us to find our purpose. But the simple fact is, is that while we may not understand what our purpose is, God has given us a purpose. God made us for a purpose. You know, it is also through God's creation. When we look at the book of Romans, chapter 1, when we look at God's creation, we know that the glory of God can be seen through all of creation. That's what the book of Romans tells us. That we can know the existence of God by looking at creation. Now, I was sitting at the beach for a few minutes today after I finished my work, and I was just looking at the ocean. And it was just still and flat. There were, I don't think there were any waves at all. But just sitting out there, man, how could you deny the existence of God when you look out at the ocean? Again, I've said this a million times that we are so blessed to live in Destin, Florida, where we can literally walk anywhere and see the existence of God. Going out to the beach is one of the easiest places to see the existence of God. Uh, I want to point back to 
uh, Caroline actually posted something on her Instagram story. I think it was last Friday when she went to the beach and was just talking about schools of dolphins just jumping and playing in the ocean and how she saw the existence of God through that. And that's how we can look at, that's just a good example of how we can look at the creation of God and just see his intention, his purpose, how he designed things and see his glory through his creation. And you are a part of that creation. And we can see God's glory in ourselves. The way that we love one another, we can see God's glory. You know, even with this, you know, I, I understand that uh, there's a debate that comes up when we talk about creation. And there's a debate between science and creation, uh, how the Bible puts it, and versus how the world puts it. And, and I understand that debate. And I know you are taught at school a lot about that debate. So I want to talk about that for a few minutes tonight and just briefly give you my thoughts on that. And then my hope is, is that this summer we'll be able to go deeper into this debate. And I'm talking about evolution versus creation. I know that science in this world, uh, as society and culture teaches it, teach you that uh, man evolved from other species and other creation. And that... This earth formed through a series of evolutions and through a big bang and whatever else. And so I want to talk about that because Scripture pretty plainly lays out how God intentionally created everything. That, uh, and from the way we read the creation account, this isn't just something that happened and happened by chance. So I want to go through this and hopefully simplify this argument for you. So when we look at evolution just in and of itself. It is called the theory of evolution. So I want to break that down, the theory of evolution. In science, you have uh, two main things. You have laws and you have theories, laws and theories. And laws, such as the law of gravity, is something that has been proven over and over and over again to be consistently reliable and true. That's what a law is. A law is something that is consistent, reliable, and factually proven to be true. A theory, on the other hand, is something that people think might be true. A theory is something that has not been proven to be true. That is something that people think might be true. And so the theory of evolution is just that it is a theory. It's not a law, but people sure do like to pass it off as a law. This is not the law of evolution. It's the theory of evolution. So I want to caution you as as you learn in school and things, as, as a believer in Christ, know that it's a theory and that it's not proven to be true. And so I really don't think it contradicts here because I personally don't believe that evolution is true. But also as we look at evolution, uh, if you paid attention in school, you know who founded the theory of evolution, and that's Charles Darwin. And what Charles Darwin uh, suggested was that simply species can evolve in their environments to survive in other environments. If you place uh, a bird in a certain environment, it might develop, as he studied finches, uh, it might develop different uh, beaks or whatever to be able to adapt in different environments. And that we see. Charles Darwin never uh, suggested in his initial theory that species evolve from other species. That's something that we've made up as we've gone along. But also, when we look at this earth, I'm sorry, but you, we cannot look at this earth and say that this earth happened by chance. Because what are the chances that this earth 
was placed in the exact spot for life to exist. If it was placed a fraction closer to the sun, life wouldn't be able to exist because it'd be too hot. If this earth was placed a fraction further from the sun, it'd be too cold and life could not exist. What are the chances that the earth is in the exact spot, that the sun is the exact distance from the earth for life to exist, that this earth has the exact uh, composition, the exact requirements for life to exist. What are the odds? What are the chances? I don't even know that there's a number that exists to, to begin to tell you what the odds or the chances are that that could be true. It's so uh, big of a number that it's unlikely to be true. The only answer that I can see here that is plausible, that could even remotely be true, is that God created this. That God intentionally created this earth. This earth did not happen by chance. This earth did not come out of a big boom that just launched things into space and the earth just happened to land where it landed. No, that's not what happened. God created this earth. God created this universe. God was intentional. God had order to the way he created. God put things exactly where they needed to be in order for life to exist. God was intentional. And God had a purpose for what he was doing. And God has a purpose for you. And so as we talk about God as the creator and, and us being the creation and being a part of the larger creation, that leads me really to the second way that I think we see God, and that's in Genesis chapter 2. So I want us to flip in our Bibles just to the next chapter, Genesis chapter 2. Now I want us to read this because here we're going to see God kind of take on a new role. Show himself in a new way to Adam and to Eve after he's created man and woman. He shows himself in a new light. He goes from being the creator to being something else. So let's look at Genesis chapter 2. It says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord had made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there was no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing it into four branches. The first branch, called Phison flowed around the entire land of the Havilah, where gold is found. The gold on that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called Gion, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Asher. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good 
and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closing, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is, my, is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Now here, we see God transition in Genesis chapter 2 from God the Creator to God the Authority. We see him transition from God the Creator to God the Authority. And while God is showing Adam all that he has created, and he's showing him the Garden of Eden, God shows that he's in charge. God initiates his authority by telling Adam, hey, you can be over all of this. All that I've created, you can be over it. Except for one thing. I'm giving you one rule. So God showed that he was in charge and that he was the one setting the rules. I want you to think back to the example that we're using here as of a creator, of an inventor, of an artist. I want you to think about them because... As they create things, they are ultimately the one in charge of how their creation, their invention, is used. And God, as we've stated, is a creator, is an inventor, is an artist. An artist is in charge of how the painting looks and where the painting ultimately goes when they're done painting it. An inventor is ultimately in charge of how they produce the technology, what they make it for. No one else gets to decide that but them. And so just like God, God is the inventor here. God is the creator. And so God is in charge of his creation. And I think that this has big implications for us. Implications that I think that we uh, struggle with sometimes. Because God is the creator and because God is in charge, that means this. It means we need to follow the rules that he has given us. It means we need to follow the order in which he created things. It means we need to follow the purpose for which he created things. It means that we need to stop thinking that we can change the creation. And I think that's something that we really, really struggle with. You see, you are not the creator. I am not the creator. And we do not have the authority to change creation. We do not have the authority to change how God designed things. God designed things intentionally. God designed things with purpose. And God designed things in order. And because we are not the creator, we do not get to decide what those things are for. We do not get to decide that the purpose of one thing is better off for another. Or that the purpose God created for it isn't good at all. You do not get to decide that. I do not get to decide that. God created things how he designed them to be. 
And as part of the creation, we do not get to override how he designed things. And for us, that may be difficult because we like to be in charge. But we need to recognize that God is in charge. We need to swallow our pride and start living the way that God has instructed us to live. You know, God is simply in charge. But he's given us, he hasn't just left us out to dry. He hasn't just left us hanging. He's given us his word. He's given us the word of God as a guidebook for how to live. In the Garden of Eden, he didn't just leave Adam and Eve hanging, not knowing how to live. No, he gave them specific instructions for how to live. He told them to watch over the animals and the fish and, and, and to tend to the garden. But then he told them, you're not to do this one thing. You're not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the one thing you cannot do. Or there's going to be big consequences. See, God's in charge. But because, even though God is in charge, God does not sit in heaven controlling us. God is in charge, but he doesn't control us. God has given us free will. And some, we, we might ask, why would God give us the ability to make decisions, even when he knows that we might make the wrong decisions? Why did he give Adam, give Eve, the ability to make decisions when he knew that they were probably going to break his one rule? Only one. But why would he give them even the uh, opportunity to sin? And I think there's a, a really simple answer to that. Because God wanted a loving relationship with them. And God doesn't control you because he wants a loving relationship with you. And a relationship where you have to force people to love you, and a relationship where you have to force people to even be a part of the relationship, that's not a relationship at all. That's not a loving relationship. Forced love is not love. A forced relationship is not a relationship. And God wants a genuine, loving relationship with us. And so God doesn't force us to make that, the, the decision to be in relationship with him. God allows us to make decisions. And God understood that giving us that opportunity, giving us the ability to make decisions, meant that he was also giving us the ability to make the wrong decision. But because God knew that when we had the ability to make the right decision, we also had the ability to make the wrong decision. He gave us his word and said, if you'll just follow my word, you'll be okay. You'll make the right decisions if you'll just follow my word. So God didn't leave us out to dry. You know, if God has given things a specific purpose, it means we don't get to decide that they have another purpose. You know, it, it can be hard for us. Sometimes we struggle with following authority. Maybe we don't like the way that God designed things. Maybe we don't like the purpose that certain things serve. But we need to understand that God created with intention. God had intention behind all of it. And God is ultimately in authority. And when we start thinking that we can change the creation, when we start thinking that we can be in charge... Bad things happen. Just look at Adam and Eve, for example. God blessed them. God blesses Adam and Eve with the entire garden, the entire world. Gives them everything that they need. Anything that they could ever wish for, they had. Nothing bad 
was in the world. And God gave them one rule. Don't eat from that tree. And what did they do? Well, they ate from the tree. And, and you know, God didn't control them. God didn't force them to follow him. God said, I want to be in a loving relationship with you. He wanted a relationship where he wasn't controlling. He wanted a relationship where both people loved. But when Adam and Eve began to think that they could be in charge, when Adam and Eve began thinking that they could change the creation, when Adam and Eve began thinking that they could change the order in which God created things, when they began thinking that they could change the purpose for which God created things, bad things happened. You may ask, what happened? Well, we'll get to that. And we'll get to that as we study the fall. We'll get to that next week. But I, what I really want you to take away from this lesson is that God is a creator. That God created you for a purpose. That God created this earth for a purpose. And God created everything in this earth intentionally, and that includes you. But even more than that, God created you in His image. You resemble God in His glory. And God has given you a purpose. And even if you don't recognize that purpose right now, I promise you that God created you in His image for a purpose, and He created you intentionally. But also with that, because God is the Creator, I also want you to understand that God is the one with ultimate authority on this earth. God has designed things the way He wanted them to be designed. He designed them a specific way for a purpose, and we do not have the authority to change that even if we don't like it. We may have a difference of opinion, but ultimately, if our opinion doesn't match up with God's, our opinion is wrong. And so I want you to take that away from tonight. And I want you to be able to articulate creation to, to people who do not know the Lord, and I want you to be able to share with others what creation is. And so we're going to pray, uh, and then we're going to transition over to Zoom for small groups. So let's pray, and then we'll wrap up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the blessing that it is to be able to come together through te technology to open up your word and, and study about creation and how you created things, or to understand that we have a purpose and that we were created uniquely in your image. Lord, we thank you that you created things intentionally with order and design. We thank you that we are a part of that creation and that you made us intentionally. Lord, we pray that we would also recognize your authority on this earth. Lord, we pray that you would help us submit to your authority and submit to the way that you design things. We pray that you would help us swallow our pride so that we do not think that we can change the creation, so that we do not think that we can change the way things are done. Lord, I pray that you would help us learn to live the way that you have instructed us to live. Lord, I pray for all of these students and leaders right now. Lord, I pray for them as we're all going through a difficult time right now. Lord, I pray that you would just give them motivation. Lord, I pray that you would give them your strength. Lord, to keep pushing through each and every day. Lord, I, during this time especially, Lord, I just pray that 
you would show them your love, the love that you specifically have for each and every one of them. Lord, I pray that you would show them the desire that you have to be in relationship with each and every one of them. Lord, for anyone watching or listening that isn't in relationship with you, Lord, I pray during this time, Lord, that you would use this as an opportunity to speak to them. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes to see your glory and to see your glory in creation. So, Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. We thank you for the blessings that you continue to give us even in this difficult time. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. This is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you, and thank you for listening.